0: On this episode of the Athletic Potential Podcast, we are going to be discussing rotator cuff strength and when you have enough of it, as well as when baseball players should specialize into one sport. Welcome to the Athletic Potential Podcast podcast your place to come and get answers to your athletic development questions. We cover a range of topics all related to helping you to achieve your athletic goals so that you can experience and enjoy the athletic career that you deserve. I am your host, Dr. Mike Matthews. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Athletic Potential Podcast. Thanks for being here. Uh, I just had this question asked me right prior to the podcast recording, and, and one of my listeners asked, Hey, you know... We hear about a lot about what you're doing at Athletic Potential. We hear a lot about, you know, things that are going on, and that they really appreciated these updates. So let me um, let me just kind of update you a little bit. So the, for those that don't know what Athletic Potential is, it's a company I started. I'm a physical therapist and a uh, strength and conditioning coach, and uh, I I work in a facility that houses a baseball academy and and lots of different teams mainly uh targeting, you know, youth groups and those type of things. And so we've got a fairly large facility enough to do an indoor ninety foot baseball diamond. Uh lots of cages, uh bull uh a freestanding bullpen by itself. We have technology we use, we have trackmen, we have other cameras. We we have a lot of different things that are at our disposal here. We have a full size weight room uh that can take on any you know teams up to fifty or sixty at a time. And so it's a fairly large facility and in because of that, we're able to do a lot of different kind of fun things. And one of the things that is not, you know, um, unique necessarily to this facility, but is we're in the off season right now for professional baseball. And one of the things that we found is, especially in our climate, uh, for those that, that listen uh, and don't know where we are, we are in Utah. And it gets cold in the winters. Um, and typically it's snowing. Uh, matter of fact, today, it is snowing, and so you'll probably hear some uh, bats clinging around and those type of things because we've got a college team in here practicing right now. So, but anyways, it, it's it's a, a unique facility in that we have uh, a subset of population of our professional athletes, professional baseball players, that come in and use this facility. And uh, between a lot of the, the guys who work here at this facility, including myself. Uh, we help these guys in their off season. And so it's a pretty exciting time right now. Uh, we're just about to see some of these guys start going off. Matter of fact, um, we just had, uh, two of our players leave, uh, to head down to spring training and we'll see, we'll start seeing everybody leave here in the next uh, week to two weeks, maybe even three weeks. So, uh, it's kind of exciting. We're starting to see these guys start ramp up, throwing harder, start taking more, uh, live swings, um, it's, it's a fun environment to be a part of, uh, that pretty much takes all morning for us. And, and it's, it's unique in that we get to try a lot of different things as well. So, um, and this leads into a little bit of the questioning, but one of the questions I, I consistently get is we talk about rotator cuff strengthening. And the reason I bring this, uh, up today, is we had this question, uh, given to us through the podcast and it talks about rotator cuff strength? And how do you know if you have enough rotator cuff strength? And so I've done podcasts on arm care in the past. If if you go look back, you can probably find them. Uh, I'll try and and try to hit the main points here. Um, One of the things that I think a lot of people miss, and this is the reason I bring it up and talk about all of our pro guys is this is a conversation I have with them all the time, is if you give a player a list of exercises... Uh, and say this player has, is not rehabbing. He's not trying to get his arm back up to, to his ability to be able to throw, but someone who's been able to throw has been healthy uh, and is just trying to condition their arm to get them ready for a season, a pretty, pretty heavy season. You know, what is the key in regards to shoulder strength? And how do you know if you have enough or what are the right exercises? And we hear this all the time. And this is a conversation I, I, I always have. And so I wanted to bring it up on the podcast just a little bit, and I think it's it's something that is. I explain it today. Today will be more of a general overview, but what I'd like to do is at some point maybe take a deeper dive on the podcast and talk about shoulder strengthening for throwers. Uh, That won't be today, but today will be kind of the lead in. We'll we'll probably see that podcast episode probably in the next month or so, and what I wanted to bring up today was there's two main things that I see most of our players and athletes, specifically our throwers, obviously that they, they either, they don't understand or, or it's misconstrued. And that is when we talk about uh, rotator cuff strengthening and shoulder strengthening, uh, I keep having guys go, Hey, you shouldn't lift any more than two pounds. Hey, you shouldn't lift any more than, you know, one and a half pounds for that specific movement, or, you know, you shouldn't train the the rotator cuff slow because it needs to work fast and you hear all of these different things. So there's two things I want to pull out for this podcast episode. And this actually ties into a question that we got from Zach and Zach asks, Hey, how do you know when your rotator cuff is strong enough for baseball? And Zach, this will tie into that a little bit. And, And I can tell you this, we have seen, and bringing it back to our pro players, we have seen um, two or three pro guys come back now uh, and that have continued to do the programming, continue to do our programming. And we've been able to track their progress in regards to shoulder strength. Now, uh, the research documents this all the time. We know that shoulder strength for rotator cuff decreases over the course of the season, probably more than likely because of the eccentric or slowing down nature that the cuff has to do a lot of times. And so we see most of our guys come in, in the offseason. the rotator cuffs are going to be a little bit on the weaker side. My goal with all of these guys is that when we test uh, rotator cuff strength and we don't just test rotator cuff strength, we test endurance, we test rate of force production as well. But if we're talking about just peak strength, peak force, what we found is when they come in in the off season, they're down from when they left right before the start of the spring training time. And my goal is not to get them back to zero or back to normal where they were before, but to enhance and increase that rotator cuff strength for the next year. Now, Zach, to answer your question directly, I don't have a number for that. I have a number based on their previous testing and now to their next testing. And I can tell you that my goal is just to make that particular pitcher or or thrower stronger than they were at the beginning of the season, um, as soon as possible. And so, to talk about strong enough, I think the key is that you've got to, if you can measure it, then you're going to know if you're making progress. You're going to know if you're doing the right things. You, you're going to need You're going to know if if what you're doing is actually making an effect to the rotator cuff. But the other thing is that. If you look at rotator cuff strengthening, um, you've got to track progress and you've got to get it up to a certain level. Otherwise, what we see is a slow detriment effect over time uh, to the rotator cuff strength, which then essentially puts more stress on the passive structures of the shoulder and the elbow. And then we know that leads to shoulder and elbow problems and injuries. Uh, so first things first, Zach, how do I know if it's strong enough? Uh, if you have pre-date or pre-testing on the athlete, we need to make sure that that athlete is strong or at, uh, stronger at the beginning of the season than they were at the end of the season. If you don't have that data, I will tell you this: test both sides if you can. Uh, and, and we're still working. I'll be honest; we're still working on a nice little field test for for people to do, so they can just kind of test it quickly. Uh, on the field using, you know, either J bands or something like that. We haven't figured out a good reliable measure yet, but I can tell you this, that we want to see symmetry first. So their left arm should be as strong as their right arm. If they're a left hand thrower, if they're a right hand thrower, we want to see their right arm as strong as their left arm, if not stronger, uh, for the throwing arm. And if we're not seeing that, then we really kind of start targeting rotator cup strength. And so I think that to answer your question, how strong is strong enough? Uh, We shouldn't ever see a decrease in rotator cuff strength, so you have to measure it. We shouldn't see an increase in strength over time. Now, that being said, let me bring back the comment of, hey, you know, you should not use any more than two pounds on these exercises, right? And I can tell you this right now. I don't believe that. I I think it needs to be progressive. If you are able to do plenty of sets and reps with a two-pound weight for your arm care exercise, you need to go up in weight. I don't think there's a limit in weight so long as it's progressive and you show that you can manage and handle the weight um, effectively. So uh, we've got a, okay, the example I'll use is this. In our facility, we have a five foot six uh, baseball pitcher and I guess he's five foot seven. If he's listening to this, I apologize. He's five foot seven, um, doesn't weigh a whole lot. Uh, and he's over when he's doing his arm care exercises with the free weights, he's repping two, two and a half pounds right now. We have a six foot five, 240 pound baseball pitcher. Who's also doing the same free weight exercises. Now he's doing more weight because he's bigger he has more muscle mass and he should be able to move it around. Right now. That doesn't mean that if you're smaller, you need to do less. And if you're bigger, you need to do more. But the idea is. I I wouldn't expect those two guys to lift the same amount of weight. I'd expect them to be a little different and I would expect them both. Now that being said, I would expect both to increase the amount of weight they can lift in their arm care exercises over the course of an off season. So I hope that answers your question, Zach. It's, it's not a great answer. And realistically, I'm trying to think of what, I mean, if we take, man, it's hard to standardize, I really want to see any, okay, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to go out on a limb. This is kind of a total guess based on what I've seen, based on some of the data that we've collected, but I don't have the data in front of me. I'm just going to go out on a limb a little bit. I really want to be able to see our 17, 18-year-old into into college athletes able to perform our free weight routine of exercises with a a two-and-a-half, upwards to a five pound weight. That's really vague. I apologize, but realistically, that's what I want to see. So if you're 17, 18 and you barely can push two pounds around, uh, your rotator cuff needs to be stronger. Um, I would hope you'd be pushing towards the five pound range. Uh, if you're, if you've never trained your rotator cuff in the past, I wouldn't expect it to be there. So anyways, um, yeah. I hope that answers your question, Zach. So if you have youth players, just start them, get them going. Um, like I said, I think in our, in our future podcast episode about rotator cap strength, we're going to try to lay out some stuff that may help, uh, understand if kids are strong enough. Um, yeah. So there's a second part to this that I wanted to bring up. It's not really part of Zach's question, but it's part of a question I get all the time. And that is well, I'm, you know, I always tell him, Hey, you guys doing your arm care exercises, you guys doing a uh, shoulder and, Elbow work and all those kind of things, and, and most of the time, what I get from the high schoolers is, yeah, we're doing our bands, and I said, are you doing just bands? And and they say yes, and I go, okay. Here, here's the deal. There, there's so many more exercises than just bands, and if you look at how the rotator cuff functions in the throwing motion, it it has to essentially have a bit of endurance because it's going to get asked to do a lot of work, you know, at high intensities. Now, it doesn't have to be like you hold this thing for two minutes and that's endurance. If you look at the normal throwing for a pitcher, they get up, they throw a pitch and nine to 11 seconds later, they throw another one. Then they throw another one and then they throw another one. And so I don't know if it needs to be crazy like that. We, but the idea is that you do need to train endurance. You do need to train just general absolute strength or force. You do need to train ballistics. So like fast moving, getting the muscles to contract fast. Okay. And, and there's a, there's a, you need to train the rotator cuff to do what it actually is supposed to do. And the whole point of the rotator cuff is to hold the ball, the shoulder ball and socket together, keep the ball in the middle of the socket. And you've got to do some training that looks like that. And that isn't always bands and, and uh, you know, maybe some dumbbell exercises. So let me just give you a general layout of what I'm talking about here. And that is with our arm care for most of our players, we are doing four different types. We are doing an isometric day, working predominantly on a little bit of a muscular endurance. We are doing a free weight day. This is where we're really trying to increase their ability to lift a heavier load uh, with those rotator cuff muscles, okay? We are doing a band day, which I like to use the bands for some sort of hybrid between peak force and endurance. Um, in it, in I, I, Well, I'll just go on a limb again. Bands are my least favorite form of arm care, uh, of exercise. I, I know they work, and I, and I got a lot of people saying say to me, like, what are you talking about? they are the best thing? And I, I'm like, yeah, okay, but I feel like we can do better. Um, so bands are my least favorite. It doesn't mean we don't use them. We still use them, uh, but they're kind of my least, my least prioritized. And the last thing we do is ballistics. This is like ball drops. So you catch and then bring the arm back to the original position as fast as possible. Uh, I I can tell you right now, the ones we prioritize are the free weights, then the ballistics, then the isometrics, then the bands, if we use an order of priority. And so, and each one of those uh, exercise sets is different. um, I shouldn't say different, is targeting similar muscle groups, but in different movements. And so we're really targeting the rotator cuff in every which way it can go. And we really try and, strengthen it or teach it to do its job specific to the throwing motion. So arms are in the correct angles. Um, we're, we're moving quickly. We're, we're trying to add perturbation. So trying to keep have them be reactive. The The rotator cuff is a reactive muscle group. Anytime you go to move your head or even, you know, not even lift an arm. Even if you just turn, you know, your rotator cuff has to activate to keep the ball in the middle of the socket. So it's something I don't want people to overlook, but it's something I've been getting in I hesitated, uh, bringing up the, the, these details on the podcast today, mainly just cause I feel like we're going to do one in the future, but I've had too many questions and I feel like it's appropriate. And then I got Zach's question. So we hit it a little bit. So sorry, a little bit of a rant, a little bit kind of all over the place. And I hope, I hope there's something you can take out of it. If anything you're going to take out of it, it's, it's this, uh, rotator cuff strengthening should be progressive. You should not be doing the same weight in the beginning of an off season at the end uh, of the end of an off season. It should be more, um, don't And then also, don't forget to train the rotator cuff in different ways. It's probably the best, the two takeaways, I would say, uh, to walk away from. So, all right, that is, was our first question. We kind of just jumped right into it. The second question comes from Miles, and this is another loaded question that most likely will be a pretty heavy podcast in the future. There's some interesting research that just came out. I'm a little biased with that, and I'll tell you why in just a second, but let's get to Miles' question. Miles asks, when do you recommend baseball players specialize in In just baseball, what age, how do you know, is it a good thing? Lots of questions, miles. So let me put it this way. Um, you've heard my, my take on early sports specialization. This isn't just for baseball, but I feel like it's for other sports as well, but we'll stick with baseball because miles asked about baseball. I, I heavily encourage all of our athletes here at athletic potential to play multiple sports for as long as possible. It's not, you know, that I think, well, I'll be honest, like if you look at what sports specialization does to athletes, yes, does it make them better uh, at that particular sport sometimes? Yes. What it doesn't do is develop a broad foundation of athletic abilities that I think will only support and enhance and protect athletes later on when they do eventually specialize. Okay. So if there's a kid, um, if I have an athlete and they've played basketball, they played football, basketball, baseball, and they've played that all the way up into high school. And now we've got a kid who's sophomore. He's playing football and he wants to play baseball, maybe not basketball anymore. So say he plays football, baseball, and he's got coaches or whoever, his parents, it doesn't matter that are saying, Hey, you need to specialize in baseball. That's, that's your only sport. You need to stay with that. You know, I, I always ask the athlete first, what do you want to do? Like, is this is football something you're doing for fun? Is it something you're doing to be with friends? Is it something to do because you feel obligated. Those are all key questions. Cause realistically the, the desire to play that other sport makes a difference. Okay. And then I always say like, well, look, you know, from ba- a baseball perspective, you know, you're, you're going to be a better baseball player if you, run faster. If you can cut harder, if you're more reactive, if you're more explosive, all those things are gonna make you a better baseball player. And what I think people miss with sports specialization, they say, yeah, but he's going to be like, if he's out there taking ground balls every day and he's playing multiple games throughout the entire year, you know, he's going to get, see a lot of pitches he's going to develop because he can see better competition and look all good arguments, all good arguments. I get it. But here's how, here's how kids develop athleticism. It's by volume of activity. The issue isn't that they, you know, they don't. The issue isn't that they're not becoming athletic with baseball. They are, but very specific to baseball only. Their foundation is very small. It's hard to develop enough repetitions, enough volume of repetitions without playing another sport to develop a more broad foundation. Can you train it in the weight room? Yes. It is difficult because there's, unless you've got a, a kid who has, you know, a significant amount of, of, uh, motivation and wants to be in the weight room and train, we can train it. We can train it. But I, I can tell you right now, I'd rather have a kid go out and play football or soccer or basketball because they're going to learn so much more. And the volume that they'll put in, uh, to improving their athleticism will be much, much higher in that particular sport than they were if they're trying to train in the weight room. So, um, miles, uh, when should baseball players specialize as late as possible? It's not a popular answer nowadays. I know, uh, I typically get some pushback and I, and I always tell everybody, look, I'm not asking you to go be on a travel football team or a, an elite level football team. I'm not asking you to be on a travel base or basketball team and go play in a whole bunch of tournaments in different States. I'm not asking that you can go play recreationally. You can go play, a." heck you know play pickup uh, basketball hockey football those type of things uh that will work that will still work It doesn't have to be as serious, but I mean just go play those things um we've talked about it in the past and we always talk- we always seem to talk about this in regards to injury prevention or you know kids that don't or specialize early they typically get hurt more um there's some research out there to suggests that may be the case if you if you pitch more than nine months a year, then you're at an increased risk of of arm injury. Yes. That's out there. Arm fatigue is the number one predictor of injury. Yes. Um, and I agree with all those things and and I highly encourage kids not to play multiple or, or play, um, baseball year round. I don't, I don't know if it helps them that much, but, um, miles, I guess what I'm getting at is I would play as many sports as long as I possibly could. Yeah. If you specialize early, there may be some advantages to it, but the interesting thing is there's a research article that just came out by camp, Christopher camp out of the Mayo clinic that, um, I had a personal hand in. We did, we, we basically took surveys of high school athletes and asked them a bunch of questions. One of which was, when did you specialize those type of things? We also measured velocity. We measured a lot of different things. It's a good article and it wasn't just athletes here in Utah. We studied here, athletes here in Utah, we studied athletes, Tour, uh, where Mayo is. We studied athletes across the country on another side, you know, North, Northwestern, South, Southwestern area. We have a lot of athletes that all filled the survey out and we've had metrics on in those type of things. And what we found in the research was essentially that if you specialize early, you were no like, no more likely than those that played multiple sports to, you know, be playing a higher level of baseball. That's a massive, massive generalization. And, and I'll dive into the article a little bit more and maybe, uh, we'll kind of do it as a follow up. But yeah, I, I tell everybody, I cite that study and I say, you know, a lot of these, there's, there's no, no, there's no difference. Like there was either no difference or if the difference was, it was in favor of the multiple sport athletes. So yeah. So miles, I would just play as many sports as you can, as long as you can. Right. And I think, I think you'll be better off. And again, that's a pretty generalized statement. I understand there's pressures there. um, you know financial pressures you you know you got coaches that may be saying hey you know if you don't play around with us you're not on our team i i get it i get it i have a softball age uh, 11 year old softball player right now and i'm getting pressure on it all the time hey you know are you gonna put her in a <clears throat> you're gonna put her with a softball team and have her go play you know in these tournaments and uh you know heck the team that i talked to They had a tournament in October, November, December, two in January and now one in February. And I'm like, you know, in Utah, I'm like, there's snow on the ground. I don't know how you guys are practicing, you know, but that, uh, I get it. There's that, that's out there. Um, And my daughter right now is not playing on that team. She is playing, she's doing gymnastics. And um, we talked about maybe doing some basketball. She, but she didn't really want to. So I didn't force her. And, but she, she plays around. She plays other sports. She tries things, you know, and that that's all I really care about that she's developing kind of athleticism generally. And, you know, she likes softball. So we're going to play softball again. And it's a tough question, Miles, but uh, I would tell you this um, multiple sports as long as possible seems to be the best route as of right now. So thanks. Hey, I appreciate it. Um, For those listening to the podcast, I really appreciate you uh, either reaching out with questions or at least listening to the podcast Uh, just know that we, we want to answer as many questions as we possibly can. So please send your questions in. You can do that through the website. You can do that through the link in, um, Apple podcasts. There's a link there. You just click that. It'll send you the website, click on the link to ask a question and we'll get that question on the air and answered for you. If you have a specific question, you can always just email me. That's on the website as well. Uh, we do appreciate you taking the time and uh, until next time. Thanks. Everybody, just want to say thank you for listening to the Athletic Potential Podcast. If you do have questions for the podcast, please visit the website, www.athletic-potential.com slash podcast. You'll find a button there to ask your question. Please input your information and your question, and we will answer any and all questions we get. And thank you again for listening. If you do get a chance, please rate and review the podcast. Until next time, thanks.